two generations. One passion. This is Generation Red. We are back, Husker fans, with another episode of Generation Red, the kettle corn of Husker fan podcast where we do our best to be sweet, but, well, we're probably going to get pretty salty today because uh, that game was awful. Uh, I'm your host, Ken. And I am your very salty host, Scott. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this uh, this was a game that we did not see coming. This was a game that obviously the coaching staff didn't see coming. And uh, even though Nebraska mounted some sort of a comeback in the second half, even the comeback looked a little disjointed, if you will. If not for a wide open field for Martinez to run down on a called pass play, I don't know if there's much of a comeback. So uh, what we're here to do today, obviously, is to recap the Illinois game and do our best to look forward to the Fordham game with some sort of positivity. I mean, we should be able to get right, sort of, against Fordham. Uh, But that also means that Buffalo looms, and if you can't score more than 22 freaking points on Illinois, how can you expect to score much more than 25 to 29 points against a Buffalo team, even with the new coach? But, uh... Be that as it may, and as depressing as this episode may sound, there are some positive things. Um... I was just looking at my list, and I don't have anything positive written down. So forget that idea. (laughs) We'll just push forward. Um, Well, wait, we found a kicker that could kick off and get it through the damn end zone. That's about the only thing I can say about yesterday's game that... uh, changed from last season quite frankly would you not agree yeah that was uh by far the highlight of the game which is incredibly depressing to have to come to that realization <laughs> that, oh, we got a kicker that can kick it into the end zone that's positive <laughs> <laughs> yeah well as i was driving home uh i was Thinking around on Facebook, as I am wont to do, along with, you know, Twitter and all that, and dealing with the crazy that was breaking out after the game was over. And there was a post that absolutely floored me. Um, his name is Ed. I'm not going to give out his last name because I'm not going to dox the guy. But uh, Ed said on Facebook on, I think it was the Huskers official Facebook page or something. <laughs> it said, the NCAA just stated that the investigation is over. New evidence has shown that Nebraska didn't practice at all in the off season. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was apropos to kind of open the show with, but dang it, I guess we got to do it. We might as well go through the game. I don't know. Do you want to start? Do you want me to start? How do you want to uh, deal with what, what, what it was on Saturday, which I'm still not sure what the hell it was. I just watched damn sure wasn't football. 
Yeah, man. I think that the best way to do it is honestly just break it down Barney style. And uh, I'm just going to go through the first half here. I just have my thoughts, my thoughts written down so I can stay on track and let's go, you know, offer your offer your uh, feedback when I get through this bullshit. So, yeah, <laughs> at, out of the first half, um, right off the bat, our first possession, I thought we did. Okay. Um, I wasn't really all that impressed with our offensive line off the get go. I know they're young. But Bielema's switching to the 4-3, even though as far as we knew it was going to be a 3-4 scheme, seemed to work really well. And altogether, Frost never seemed to figure out how to adjust to it, um, or I guess Eric Shenander more so, but let's just blame it on Frost while we're at it. Um, our first two run plays with Gabe Irvin were essentially useless with a one-yard run and then another run for no gain because our lines were basically unable to make any holes for them. Um, we then had to punt and did a whopping 26-yard punt, putting Illinois at their 26. Our defense mm-hmm. did stop them pretty quick on Illinois' first possession, um, but then they punted, and they got us down to our <laughs> half-yard line. <laughs> and... At that point, my stomach was already churning. I was like, oh, God, here we go. Here we go. This is this is how it always happens to us. Um, mm-hmm. We then start our drive with our first drive with an incomplete pass to Oliver Martin, of course. And then we decide, oh, mm-hmm. running is a good idea. Um, and then we saw Irvin get a decent 11-yard run. But then Irvin mm-hmm. proceeds to get a one-yard run the next the next first down, which led to a throwaway ball by Martinez, followed by a six-yard run to our 19. Um, and then a and, crap punt. Yes, and then we had a crap punt and gave it to uh, Illinois at, at our 37. And this is the Illinois drive that had me on a roller coaster of emotions. Our defense looked good keeping them contained, leading them to a punt after a Feldarius Payne sack, but then right. <laughs> and then all hell just broke loose at that point when they punted it to Cam Taylor Britt, who then makes the worst mistake possible trying to field the ball inside of our five yard line, just fucks it all up, attempts an mm-hmm. illegal forward pass, which of course his knee was down before he attempted that, but still led to a safety making the score 2-0. to zero. Um, We're only 11 minutes into the game, and I'm already thinking, yeah, we're going to lose this game. Like, that was the thoughts going through my head. I'm like, this is not looking too good. That's where I was at as well. Yeah. Yep. And so Illinois starts their drive with a Mike Epstein 45-yard run that I thought was going <laughs> to lead to a touchdown, but our defense showed up with back-to-back sacks, unfortunately injuring quarterback Brandon Peters um and you just you never want he's okay I hope he's okay I really do I hope he's okay you never want to see it you never want to see it nope but I don't know if it's like just like the sick human nature in me but I was like oh this is good this is good for us you know they're gonna bring out their second string quarterback whoever that is which turned out to be Artur I don't know if it's Arter Artur I don't know um Sitkowski Sitkowski 
Sitkowski. Man, I was able to Sikowski. We'll just say Sikowski. Sikowski, yeah. Yeah, Sikowski. Sikowski, I think is how you say it. Yeah. So he took the quarterback job, um, which was the second sack of that um drive at the hands of DeAndre Thomas and Garrett Nelson, um, which actually led to a missed field goal. I'm like, great, awesome. Like we could do something with this and you know, starting mm-hmm. to latch on to some hope. Um, we then get the ball back and finish off the first quarter and start the second quarter with a second or a seven play 63 yard drive for a touchdown. I'm like, yay, awesome. We got a touchdown. Maybe we are learning from mm-hmm. our mistakes, but no. Um, <laughs> Connor Culp then proceeds to miss the extra point. And honestly, yeah. at, <laughs> at that moment, I was like, what the fuck? We are on. We are still the same team with a gun constantly pointed at our feet. It it was just so. Yeah. It was like, are you serious? Seriously, mm-hmm. like anytime we we find ourselves taking one step forward, we take two steps back. Um, and at that point, I wasn't sure how our defense was going to respond, but they did show up with a stout three and out, forcing them to punt. I was like, all right, awesome. I can latch on to some hope. I need to stop doing that. Um, and then that, uh, that led to a, uh, an eight play 60 yard drive that started with a hype 43 yard pass to Oliver Martin, which Mm -hmm. led to a giant nothing burger because three points. Yeah. Yes. It led to three points and it was because Martinez and Martinez fashion overthrew both Wyatt Lever and then Austin Allen inside of the red zone, forcing us to mm-hmm. only get three points. It's like just the same, the same shit, different day with Martinez. Always overthrowing mm-hmm. and underthrowing. Just guys that are just wide open or just easy, basic pass plays. And well, I mean, at least Culp made the extra point on that touchdown drive. So um, at this point, it's it's now nine to two, which is a lovely score, Agami. Uh, I might add, um, but that score was quickly changed when Illinois. Well, shoot, was it? How long was it? I think it was. Was that the one that they? It was. It was a long drive, I believe. It was an eleven play, seventy yard, seventy five yard drive, with which led interception to interception by CTB was turned over by a. Uh... Uh, double penalty on Caleb Tanner. That's what it was. Passer, I have that. And written. standing over him and taunting him after he took him to the ground and through the interception. So, yes, uh, thirty yard swing literally was like a, a momentum was switching in the game at that point. Absolutely was switching in the game, and there was absolutely no fucking reason to stand over the guy and taunt him. Now, I will say, I will say, uh, the. Roughing penalty was borderline. Yeah, he kind of picked him up and drove him into the ground, but he hit him just as he was letting go of the ball. So, and he had his um, head tucked down. So, whether or not he and, knew, yeah, he there got wasn't going to be a targeting ball. call. It wasn't going to be a targeting call, but there, it was definitely a borderline roughing the passer call. And then when he stands over him and taunts, part of me thinks that's why they threw both flags. Part of me thinks he stood up, he did the taunting bullshit, and they said, "Okay, he roughed him too." You know, kind of thing. Is that that's at least how I read it. Yeah. So yep. yeah, we were we're we were moving the the defense was playing really well in that first and second quarter. It was the it was the offense that just offense and special teams. Just again, the same story, 
different season. So anyway, go on with what I think you had something else. Yeah, go, right? I was I was thinking a little bit too far ahead. I was thinking of in the second half when they did their eight minute drive um, to start off the right second out of the half. gate. Yep. Yeah, I got those two mixed up. So thanks for keeping me on track there. But um, yeah, that taunting call and uh, roughing the passer just completely sucked the life out of our defense. And mm-hmm. they got a touchdown and made the score even at nine. Um, which once again, once again, this whole game was just a giant, like scoregami. Just, it just looked so weird the whole game. Um, yep. with, you know, two missed extra points from, from Culp and a safety. It just really throws off the, um, scoring convention, conventionalness, convention, convention. I don't even know if there's like a, a term for that. Conventionality. <laughs> I'm just going to make up a word. Um, <laughs> conventionality. Um, <laughs> our next drive is basically just another Martinez trend of being inaccurate and forcing us to punt by overthrowing and underthrowing, underthrowing dudes. Um, which, to Illinois' credit, they did have our receivers pretty locked down for most of the game. Um, Mark, that was impressive. It was, yeah. especially because that was the biggest question mark going into the game for Illinois was, was their secondary going to be able to contend with our potentially um, great receiving room? But, you know, Martinez wasn't able to capitalize on any of the plays, sticking at a 50% accuracy rating. Um, but yeah, Illinois, Yeah, on Illinois' next drive, um, it looked like they were going to drive right down the field and score on us until their running back Donnie mm-hmm. Navarro fumbles and Miles Farmer recovers it, which I like threw my hat across the room because I thought it was going to be another turnover that wasn't going to go our way because it looked like an Illinois guy jumped it on sure it and, did. and had yeah. it contained. But from a different camera angle, nope, we actually got it. And I was like, all right, we did something in our favor. Okay, cool. Because I swear that's just been the same story for Nebraska every single year. Once the ball is on the ground from our opposing team, we just we can't get it. We don't have a guy right there to get it, or if we do, it just turns into a butter ball, and they still get it back. But I digress. So, um, yeah. Well, next play, Martinez decides to return the favor to Illinois by literally just giving them the ball for a scoop and score. Um, and well, he missed, he missed a wide open receiver before he did that. Oh there yeah. Somebody he missed again. That was wide open. That probably could have scored. Oh yes. That and, was Hickman. Uh, Hickman then he, then on... pulls the ball down and yeah, fumbles. Yep. Yeah. Hickman yeah, was, was Hickman. on yep. like a little corner route or something. Not a corner route. It was just a little hook route. He was, he was hooking mm-hmm. out to the sidelines and Martinez just overthrew him. And, uh, mm-hmm. yep. And then we finish off the half with a, Negative seven yard um, drive, if you can even call it that, which was just Martinez getting sacked in the half. Um, mm-hmm. And we go into halftime losing 16 to nine. And yep. yeah, man, like my thoughts going into halftime. Well, one, I was caffeine deficient. I made the mistake of being so like nervous before the game. <laughs> I didn't make coffee. I didn't have an energy drink. I didn't have anything. So I was already like getting a a caffeine deficiency headache. And so Mm -hmm. I actually left during halftime to go to the gas station really quick and picked up a little bang energy drink. Um, But yeah, man, 
that first half, that was, it was mm-hmm. like watching, like Frost said, it was like watching the same movie over and over again. Just shoot ourselves in the foot, can't capitalize off of opportunity. And Martinez just looked like the same Martinez that we've seen since we've yeah. had him here. Same guy. And yeah. What are what are your thoughts on the first half? Uh, well, you you pretty much covered them all. You know, the the what I found striking was uh how effective Feldarius Payne was in the first half or the first quarter. So he did get two sacks. Um one yeah, on his own. I think one was uh one was a combination with someone else. Um and then he was almost non-existent for the rest of the day, which uh, is a credit to Illinois that they figured out how to scheme to keep him the hell off their quarterback, whereas we couldn't. Yep. We couldn't scheme how to run the football against the front that they came out in, which, as you said earlier, was the 4-3 as opposed to the 3-4 that Nebraska had guessed they would use and practiced against all week long with their scout team. So you get, you get, you come out, you don't do anything with the run. So immediately, instead of changing up your block schemes or doing something like that to hopefully be able to scheme to run the ball, you know, the best run they had all freaking quarter or all freaking half was the 11 yard run off of the goal line by Irvin, which was a decent run. But at the same time, you sit and you go, well, shoot. He still had to break it outside to get that done. He couldn't go up the middle where I think the play was designed to go. So yet again, a guy's making a play, but you know, not well, schemed. It wasn't crap. schemed. It's that not way. schemed. It wasn't. There was no. And I'm also willing to to concede that yes, this is an extremely young offensive line in in chronological years though there's a few of them on that line that have been playing for a few years and if you noticed um when it came to trying to um stop their run they were running directly to the left side uh, or to to um was it Stilly's side or was it to no it wasn't Stilly's side they were running for the most part toward Robinson's side yep. so they were kind of taking taking advantage of his inexperience um, and that's where Epstein got most of his lo- his yards was in between um, Robinson and Daniels. So they handled Daniels quite well. They did. And uh, there was a few run fits that we met in the, missed in the first half. I believe Henrik missed one uh, that caused the first down. There was a couple of other uh, things on defense um, that were good. But for the most part, I had a feeling they were going to run for a few more yards than we did. And they did. They didn't run for a whole lot more. But... Once again, the only person on Nebraska that could run for 100 yards was was Martinez because he was basically running for his life all game. Um, But uh, that's kind of how I saw the first half. Ture had a really good end around that he almost scored on when we got that first touchdown. Um, He caught the ball a couple of times, a couple of good catches. Uh, Martin made some great grabs that yeah. Beautiful pass that Martinez threw for that 45-yard play or whatever that was. was He couldn't have thrown it any better. And then when somebody's wide open, he couldn't throw it any worse. That's that's his MO. And I don't know if it's, holy shit, he's so fucking open, I don't want to miss. And then he ends up missing, right? Yeah. Um. So, 
it's uh yeah holy god that that was a ginormously horrible first half and then i sat there as you were going to get your energy drink and i thought well crap they get the ball first i have a feeling what we're going to see in the third quarter is nothing but cram it down our throat and see if we can deal with it and by god that's what they did it's exactly what they did what do you say we roll in the second half now does that sound good (laughs) yep might as well um yeah it was just it was a mess. It was. Starting, I mean, so, we scored more points in the third third and fourth quarter than we had in the first two, but so they they scored the same amount, and we couldn't ever draw even, so it was... Yep. It was a cluster. It was. So Illinois starts off the second half with, as we described, a painful, to say the least, a painful eight-minute, 14-play, 75-yard drive for a touchdown, giving them a two-score deficit over us, with uh, leading 23-9. to um, And pretty much at that point, I was sitting there on the couch with you, and I had already decided um, that we have very little hope of making a comeback because I had no confidence in our, our offense to galvanize off of adversity and be able to do anything. Right. Um, and that thought was basically confirmed when our next drive, uh, started with an incomplete pass to Hickman and a holding penalty and then a Martinez sack, which led to a punt, um, giving it back to Illinois, which then had an explosive. And this is where, um, Satowski like showed his ability to be a playmaker when he dropped that 45 yard dime pass to do span, yep. placing them at our one yard line. Um, that was another moment where it was just like an F me. We're just screwed. We're screwed. Well, um, yeah. And that was, that was the moment where I figured, okay, here's where the black shirts fold. Nope. No. They clamped down. That was that was it. That was the last points Illinois was going to score. So there's a positive we can take away from it. Besides the kickoffs in the end zone, the black shirts didn't wilt in the heat of either the Illinois offense or <laughs> the heat. <laughs> so I was impressed with that, that they, they seemed to have enough depth that they could keep running guys out there to stop them the rest of the game. Uh, so, yep. Yep, so at the goal line, they get a one-yard. Isaiah Williams gets a one-yard touchdown, making it a three-point or, yeah, three-score deficit, 30-9. to Um, And then that just led to our next possession, which normally I would be stoked about a 40 or 45. Normally I'd be stoked by a 75-yard touchdown run by Martinez. But at that point, like, you and I talked about it. We it was there was nothing. There was we felt nothing. There was no excitement. There was no joy. It was honestly mm-hmm. for me. It was just resentment for how awful we were playing, and it just there wasn't anything. I was like, I mean, you could hear we had a fairly decent amount of our fans in the stadium, and when he did that, the stadium was essentially quiet, as if we weren't even there. Um, but you know, me and yeah. my me and my toxic optimism sometimes. Um, I did slightly allow a shred of hope to enter my soul at that point, and that hope was falsely confirmed with a um, defensive stop near the end of the third quarter right after that. Like, Mm -hmm. they get the ball back, we stop them. I was like, all right, this might do a little bit of something. Um, But then we proceed with more foot shooting, 
with an offensive pass interference penalty against Oliver Martin, which I thought was complete and total bullshit. Um, Absolutely. Those defenders ran into him. He was on his route. I mean, yes, mm-hmm. he he was supposed to go in there and block, but that was also, I'm assuming, the design uh, slant that he was on on his route running. Um, mm-hmm. And then another holding penalty on our offensive line, which just completely sucked the life out of any momentum we could have grabbed off of that. And that led and that to was a on a good catch by Martin, too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. No, who was it? They threw it to Tori, Samari Tori. Was I it think. Tori? Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because Martin. I thought the Tori one was on the great, was on the bullshit call on Martin. Uh, Tori came underneath him and he caught the ball. And then that's why he was so wide open, was because of the call that was made on Martin. And then, like, the next play is when Martin made a really good catch, but we got called for holding. At uh, least that's the way I have it listed. Yeah, who knows? I'll have to look. I'll have to look that back up to because it was Toure it out, that but... caught the pass on the call that Martin got called for pi, but it was Martin oh. caught the next pass that we got called for holding on. Yeah, yeah. There was Offensive there was line. basically just so, yeah. It was I thought it was an offense, and then we got line. sacked again. So yes. Um. So Illinois basically gets the ball back, and we actually stop them on a seven play mm-hmm. drive, and it gives us the ball back. And then we go on a 19 play, just a long drive, a 19 play, 91 With Four yard, minutes left in the game. <laughs> yeah. 91 yard drive for a touchdown, which once again gave me a stupid amount of hope. But of course, Culp misses yet another extra point, making it an eight point deficit. The guy and, that went 20 for 20 on extra points last year missed two in the first game. Yeah. You knew you were cursed at that point. It's like... What do, what did, like, what bad juju doll did, like, some Husker alum decide to, like, molest at one point that, (laughs) like, we've just had the worst luck ever. I'm sure there's other teams who have these same issues, but... Like, I seriously feel singled out as a Husker fan with with these kind of things. Like... It starts 18 years ago, but that's another story. Yes. So it was like, are you serious? Like, then yeah. the rest of the game, clock bled out, and you can guess the rest. Was it? Lots of incomplete passes by Martinez. And that was that. Game over. And we are now 0-1. And, one, and mm-hmm. I, shoot, man, I don't. I don't know how I feel about the rest of the season at this point. Um, and I'm not going to know. We're not going to know until we play OU. Um, we're really not going to know. I mean, if we... Well, I don't know if OU's going to tell us so much as much as um, what's Michigan State going to tell us, because that'll be our next Big Ten game. That will really give us kind of an idea of where we're at, because I don't think OU's going to be a good measuring sticks. I think we're going to get rolled uh, just because. They're just that much more talented. But we don't know. This team could figure out something... But, you know, I've kind of gotten to the point of this is what we are and what we are is is not going to change until, and I don't know if it's so much coaching or if it's just so much, here's, here's what I say. And I mentioned this a minute ago, 18 month, 18 years ago, we sent a nine win coach out, out the door by a smiling Jack of an AD that was recommended by Osborne and Osborne has since admitted since then that that was a mistake. He had no idea that Steve Peterson was going to do what he did. And uh, 
I think there's only one way to fix this problem. And that is we invite Steve Peterson back, have him stand at the 50-yard line and make sure that everybody that was on Solich's coaching staff is also invited back for that game. And at halftime, they bring Peterson out to the 50-yard line. They bring that entire coaching staff out there and they roo-roo his ass until he can't get up. And then I think the bad juju might go away. <laughs> Revenge, a dish best served cold. <laughs> Fix shit that was broken that didn't need to be broken. <laughs> so it's it was a it was a and here's what's sad is I looked at the final stats. I've got them written down here. Total yards: Nebraska three hundred ninety-two to Illinois three hundred thirty-six. Both teams had nineteen first downs. Nebraska outpaced them with 232 pass yards versus 159. I would have never guessed in a million freaking years that Martinez actually passed for 232. Uh, <laughs> rush yards were 160 to 167. 59 of our 160 yards were to our running backs. So much for run the damn ball, unless it's quarterback scrambling. Uh, turnovers were dead even at one apiece. Time of possession. That's what killed us. 34, almost 35 minutes to 25 minutes and a couple of seconds for Nebraska. So final thoughts on the game and let's just kind of wrap up the game with this and flush it, you know, with all the other in our lives <laughs> and move on to Fordham. But my final thoughts are the emphasis on the special teams seemed to accomplish basically almost nothing except for the fact that we found a guy that can kick the damn ball into the end zone. Uh, the run game seems to be non-existent at this point, other than Martinez. And it looked like Martinez was still throwing a lot off of his back foot. As soon as he gets hit, I've noticed that. As soon as he gets hit, just like most of our quarterbacks over the last 15, 20 years, they throw off their back foot as soon as they catch a hit on a pass. So, And he also overthrew multiple or underthrew multiple wide receivers who were wide open that could have scored at least in two occasions. I think Martin could have, or uh, Hickman could have scored on that one he missed, and there was another one that we could have scored on. Torre, I think it was. He overthrew Torre once, too. But the defense, God bless them. They shut them out for the last few minutes of the third quarter and all the way through the fourth. Uh, the questionable roughing penalty on Tanner literally changed the game, in my mind. I mean, CTB's mistake in the first half, uh, catching that punt, Inside the five was definitely game-changing, but really, what really, I think, killed a lot of the momentum we had built was when Tanner gets 30 yards worth of penalties on him. Um, and, of course, the taunting by Tanner was absolutely benchable, in my opinion. I think he shouldn't even play against Fordham, but that's just me. Uh, and I think they should give Feldarius Payne a black shirt. And, um, yeah, the questionable offensive pass interference against Martin killed a drive that likely gets us back into the game. That's kind of wraps the Illinois game, except for, unless you've got a couple things you want to say, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was looking at the wrong screen. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. You're good. Um, yeah. My, my final thought of, of just the whole game and honestly, just the whole football setting for the Nebraska Cornhuskers, specifically in the quarterback room is if I'm thinking forward here, um, with Martinez's inability to be a playmaker and to not be sound in his mm -hmm. decision making ability, um, I'm sitting here trying to jot in my mind of like, 
if after the season Martinez is just still the same quarterback we've ever seen, does Mario Verduzco keep his job? Um, be, and, That's and a the good re- question. And the mm-hmm. reason why I would say yes, he keeps his job is because really we've only seen one true sample of a quarterback. Um, I mean, we saw Andrew Bunch way back in the day. We saw a bit of Vedral. We saw a bit of McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. And and as far as I'm as far as I'm aware, that's it. That's all we've seen. And um, I think Vedral of all of of all of those. Um, of all of those play uh, makers, I guess you could call them, of all those players. I think Vedral honestly looked the best, um, but not exclusively. And so I'm sitting here thinking forward, is this just a Martinez problem um, of just maybe he's just so knocked off of his off of his game that he just he can't get over that that mental hump that he seems to always be on? Um, right. Or is it a coaching issue with Mario Verduzco's, uh, you know, cliche uh, paralysis by analysis? Because Verduzco is obviously a really brilliant guy. He has the scientific methodology of being a good quarterback down, but mm-hmm. is his uh, is his teachability of those fundamentals actually being translated on a young collegiate level? Um, is he is he overloading our quarterbacks with a, it, an unnecessary amount of analysis that it's it's causing paralysis in our quarterback mm-hmm. room. And I guess next year, without Martinez, presumably, do we see a jump in our quarterback room with, um, with a Harburg or a Smothers at the helm? Um, or, honestly, this year, I, I hate that as a Husker fan – and as Husker Nation, we always, and I think every football team, we always have this, this uh, <laughs> second, the second string, string quarterbacks, the best dude. Yeah, <laughs> can't wait I to see don't, him. Yep. I don't like that trope. I and I'm I'm guilty of it. I that, I was on the McCaffrey train. You know, to be honest, I I thought McCaffrey yep. had a had a really high ceiling, but that was quickly disproven. Um, is that is that McCaffrey's fault or is that the coaching staff's fault? So. What do what do we see? You know, yeah. if we see a Logan Smothers take take the helm halfway through the season, if Martinez really doesn't pan out, or if maybe yeah. they throw freshman Harburg into there, do we, what do we see? And if we don't see anything different, and we just see the same mental mistakes, and we see the same inability to make sound and timely decisions in our quarterback room, I right. will then. I will then have the opinion that we need a new quarterbacks coach because Mario can't seem to just mm-hmm. get across basic fundamentals and giving our quarterback room the headspace that they need to be confident about their decision-making. Because as far as I can tell, they are not good at making decisions and they get too stuck in their head. That's what I've seen in our quarterback room. And it sure starts- looks like it. It yeah. starts at our quarterback, man. We're not going to win mm-hmm. games offensively if the guy who runs our offense can't do it. So mm-hmm. that's just my – I mean, that's like a really broad and overall thought. But that's how I felt. Like That was what I was honestly thinking about for the most part last night and then following mm-hmm. into this morning, just thinking about our quarterback room and mm-hmm. what we got to do there. So that's just kind Well, of- I said I think it was uh- – 
I might have been on Twitter when I was talking with uh, the guys from the Husker Cuscast after we were on after they were on the show with us. I I said I think if there's anybody besides Frost that might be on the hot seat on this staff, it probably should be uh, both Ryan Held and um, Mario Verduzco. Yep. And until until Saturday, I thought Greg Austin was pretty safe. Now I'm willing to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because this was an extremely young offensive line in number of starts, but they've been in the program forever. They know the blocking schemes. Um, and likely, uh, the coaches should know what they need to do to adjust what a defense is doing to them. That's called coaching. That's called game day game management. And that's for me, if there's one thing I've noticed about the frost regime for sure is that in game management sucks balls, period. They don't know how to deal with a clock as was evidenced in that last drive that Illinois went on before we got the ball back. They the first play Frost should have called called timeout for God's sakes. They ended up running two plays and getting the first down before Frost called a timeout. He lost field position, obviously lost game clock time. There was like no sense of freaking urgency. And um I don't know. That might come back to bite him. Uh so yeah. Yep, let's move on. <laughs> plus uh we don't really need to talk necessarily about the plus minus results because there weren't any. We both sucked in our picks, so that's zeros across the board. Uh neither one of us is winning, and as it so happens, neither is Nebraska. So move on to Fordham. Uh, we've got a game upcoming again, I guess you could call it a game. It's probably more like a glorified scrimmage if we could even call it that. Um, and hopefully this is a game in which we do get the opportunity as you were talking about the quarterback, Scott, this is probably the opportunity we get to see exactly what kind of tutelage, uh, Verdusco has given to both young Smothers and really young Harburg. Um, I think we both agree that Harburg's the dude with the better arm, but Smothers is definitely the dude that's got the more electric legs, which seems to be the thing that makes this offense go at this point. So my lean would be that I think Smothers is probably second string at this point. I know he was taking the second set of snaps in the pregame on the live stream that I saw. So it looks like he's the number two guy at this point. Um, And I'm hoping we get to see him. I'm hoping we get to jump out quickly against these guys and don't even wait until the second half to sit the starting quarterback. I'd love to see Smothers take some snaps with the number one guys in this game, if not mid third, second quarter or uh, earlier. Uh, So, um, and I know we talked about Fordham a little bit before we got on the call and they played a couple of games, what three games last year, right? Yep. They just played three games and didn't go to their championship game. Um, so very small sample size. And then looking right. back to 2019, I mean, once yeah, again, we got a little bit more, that's where I found most of the information on Fordham was from 2019 where they went four and eight, which <laughs> not all that much familiar. worse than we did in 2019, but in the Patriot <laughs> league. But in the Patriot League, yeah, and they got their, I think they got their asses handed to them by uh, Coastal California or Coast, Coastal Carolina that year, if I remember right. I didn't look too closely at the schedule, but they got blown out a few times. Um, their overall rushing offense from 2019 was 2,066 yards, 
for an average of 133.3 yards per game, 3.5 yard average per attempt, and a total of 17 rushing TDs. Uh, Their passing offense wasn't a whole lot better, a little bit. They had 2,700 yards, almost 2,700 yards total in passing uh, on 400 attempts with 234 completions at 6.6 yards per attempt, 20 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and a 223.9 yard uh, average per game. Um, Total offense was uh, 4,286 yards. 357.2 357.2 yards per game average, five yards averaged per play, whether pass or rush, and 37 total TV TDs and 25 points is what they averaged per game, which sounds pretty damn familiar, doesn't it? <sighs> Maybe we should play in the Patriot League. Maybe we could dominate that <laughs> We very well could. Anyway, defense for Fordham. Is uh, the rushing defense was uh, they gave up twenty three hundred and fifty six yards in a in the season one hundred and seventy one average per game, almost five yards per play and twenty two TDs passing they gave up thirty two hundred ninety five yards on three hundred eighty five attempts with two hundred thirty four completions uh, that the opponents completed a, or uh, had about eight point five six yards per attempt for twenty three TDs nine interceptions was all um, Fordham generated. And gave up an average of 274.6 yards per game. Uh, the total offense they gave up was 5,350 yards, 445 yards per game, 6.6 yards per play, 51 total TDs, and an average of 33.2 points per game. So they averaged giving up just over a touchdown per game more than they scored. There's no reason on planet Earth why we don't hang half a hundred on these guys. Um, so I don't know what your thoughts, listening to those numbers, if those... Uh, give you any hope at all as to what our offense can do. I think our defense is going to have a heyday, but I'm not sure. (laughs) The offense is the question mark, which is the last question mark we thought we would see when we hired Frost. So anyway, your thoughts? Yeah, my thoughts are going to be, are we going to see something like we saw in 2019 playing against uh, South Alabama, where it should Mm -hmm. be... Not necessarily a blowout, but it should definitely be a high-scoring game, and we only scored 35 on them. And and in the was it the fourth quarter? We were only down by a score, or we were only up by a score. Only up by one. Yeah. Yeah. So and then same thing against Northern Illinois. Like I honestly thought it was embarrassing that we didn't get at least 50 points against Northern Illinois, especially with the way that their season ended. I believe. They were they yeah. were kind of like, oh, they might be a thorn in our side because, I mean, they beat us in Mike Riley's last year. But I, I'm honestly I, – I think we're going to win the game. Like it, I, I hate that I have to say it like that. Like, oh, I think we're going to win the game. I mean, it should be <laughs> – it should be a blowout. Um, but, dude, I what I'm going to look for – is if it's not a blowout or we make mental mistakes or our guys aren't just blowing up explosive 35-plus-yard plays at least one every single quarter, I'm going to be even more nihilistic about the rest of our season. We should not – like, I mean, 
we should get them to a, a, a hold them to a touchdown or less. Like that. That's what yeah. I'm thinking. We should hold them to a touchdown or less, and we should hold or we should put at least half a hundred on them, like you said. If I don't see mm-hmm. one of those two things happen or both of those things happen, um, mm-hmm. I, it's going to be cause for very much concern. Um, I completely hear you, and I and I completely agree with you, except for the fact there's there's a uh, there's a little bit of a difference between Fordham and say Northern Illinois and uh, South Alabama, and that's the fact that Fordham is an FCS school; they're not an FBS school, so they're a little bit lower level of football. They certainly don't get the quality of recruits that even a Northern Illinois or a South Alabama would get. So. Yep. That's that's the big difference. And, you know, they're from the Bronx, New York. They can't deal with this Midwestern shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I know um, that's pure cheese, but hey. No, no, that was good. Um, you nailed <laughs> you nailed it. So um, what I'm going to be looking for in the game is going to be mm-hmm. m- like lack of mistakes. Can we have mm-hmm. a solid game, mistakeless? Can we capitalize off of their mistakes? And honestly, can we just get a little bit of mojo? Like, I want our guys to get some confidence and some just – honestly, it's a practice game. It's what it should mm-hmm. be. It should just be a, a, a type of scrimmage game that they should just go out there and kick ass. Um, that's what yeah. I'm going to be looking for. I'm going to look for our guys to kick their ass. Like, that's what I want. But there's going to be a very fine line between – kicking their ass and scoring a lot of points on them because we're going to score a lot of points on them, but whether or not it's in a clean and efficient fashion Mm -hmm. is up to debate. It remains to be seen. And like you said, yes, they're an FCS school. They are, they're not going to be a division one opponent that even if they're at the bottom of the barrel, you know, we, we could see, you know, a Troy, the reason why they beat us. Well, I mean, they're still a Division One school, and they're a Southern team. They're going to play hard-nosed football, and they did, and they beat us in Memorial Stadium. Mm-hmm. So yep. it is a completely different thing. They're in the Patriot League, FCS school. Yes, um, we should kick their ass, but I'm going to hold my breath um, <laughs> because yeah, I know I know what, what you mean. Like I mean, all a McNeese State. Mm-hmm. Like, is isn't McNeese have State an Amir Abdullah on our team to save our ass either? No, is isn't and this is like off the top. Is McNeese mm-hmm. State an FCS school? I truly don't remember. Let me I look this up. Don't. They could have been. I think I don't remember. I'm looking it up. Um, but yeah, yeah, um, it could be the same thing. And they're they they know we're vulnerable too. Fordham's going to come in going, yeah, they just got. They just look like idiots against Illinois. Maybe we can make them look like idiots against us. So we'll see. I think McNeese State was FCS. I don't remember for sure. It seems like it. They would be because I don't see them. That would have been like the worst way, worst game to possibly lose. So yeah, I'm looking yep. it up. Yep, they're FCS. That's what I thought. Okay, you were right. Yep. 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 So they're like I don't a, see. They got a knockoff Michigan. Like a like a yeah. like a great value Michigan emblem. Um. <laughs> <laughs> they went and got their uniforms at Sam's. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it just says McNeese State on the nameplate on the back. 
Yeah. Um, oh, so I suppose we should come up with a couple of plus minus categories for Fordham. Why don't you go ahead and start? I know you come up with an interesting one. Yeah. So, um, Adrian Martinez, buddy. Like, I mean this with the utmost respect. And um, obviously he's listening to this podcast because he has all the time in the world to do podcasts. So why would he not be listening to every every podcast? Um, my plus or minus is two turnovers generated by Martinez. Even in, <laughs> even in this game against an FCS opponent, do we see Martinez get in a headspace where he feels safe? And that he can be the, right. you know, like, like you go on NCAA, you go turn on your PlayStation, you, you throw in your old NCAA disc and, and you put everybody on, on freshman difficulty and you just go and you have a heyday. You just put 70 points up on, on, you know, like you're playing as Texas and you play against like USC and you right. put 70, you hang 70 on USC, something like that, you know, like. Is Martinez going to come into this game and feel like he's he's just going to go run the show? Um, or does he find himself mistake-prone? Um, so <laughs> plus or minus two turnovers generated by Martinez. I wanted to just do one, but right. I'm feeling saucy, so uh, two. Okay. And that can be from the ground in the air. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, turnover's a turno- turnover. Doesn't matter how he does it. Yep. yep. So that's mine, fellow okay. listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to be a little bit more, well, I'm going to be positive slash negative on mine, simply because initially the number I had in mind for this before the Illinois game was a bit higher. I had initially thought that Nebraska would probably put up seven touchdowns in the first half against Fordham. Uh, but instead, my plus or minus says plus or minus 35 is the number of points that NU scores in the first half. And just sheerly based off of the performance in the um, Illinois game, I just don't have a whole lot of confidence in this offense. Granted, I know they're going to go against outmatched opponents, but hey, we were supposed to outmatch Illinois and we couldn't quit shooting ourselves in the damn foot. So, yeah. Well, plus or minus 35 is the number of points NU scores in the first half. And just as a reminder to any of you who happen to download this podcast, even though I know downloads tend to go down when we lose games, but if you did download this one, you can play the plus minus game on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash genredpod, and you will see this uh, post on the page there as soon as you listen to this episode. It's usually up by Monday mornings, so... Um, anyway, that's that. And let's get on to our score prediction. Cause I have a whining dog laying next to me that I'm not sure what the heck he wants. So <laughs> wants to go out again, dad. Um, yeah, apparently he needs something, but <laughs> he just uh, went out an hour ago, but yeah, well, you know, he's, he's old. <laughs> I needed to go an hour ago myself and I didn't. And now I'm squirming. <laughs> so, I feel I concur um, with that. Yeah, so I see us, uh, you know, plus or minus, my plus or minus is 35. Uh, oh, crap, we never answered our own plus minus, did we? Um, I'm going to guess the under on the turnovers for you, unless you want to guess that um, for Martinez. No, I'll just stick right at, I'll just stick right at even. 
Um, All right. So then I'll guess the under. What do you guess on my plus minus over or under thirty five? I'm going to say first. I'm going to say under. Okay. And I am probably going to guess. I'm going to guess over. I think they put up thirty eight to forty two in the first half. But uh, and then I think the final score will be like forty nine to seventeen is the final score I'm predicting because I, because I think we're going to see a lot of walk ons playing from the third quarter on, just like Bethune-Cookman put up most of the points in the first half, and then we put up maybe 7 or 10 in the second half. So 49-17 is what I'm predicting because I know there's going to be walk-ons on defense too that will probably give up a touchdown and a field goal. So anyway, that's where I'm at. How about you? I'm thinking uh, it's actually just kind of right up underneath your score. I was thinking uh, 48-13. to 48 to 13. Um, I think we, for for whatever reason, I have this strange feeling that we'll be down in the red zone a few times and we won't, we won't get a touchdown. And so okay. we'll have to get two field goals somewhere in there. A couple of field goals out of the deal. All right. Yeah. Yep. And then. Sounds like a plan. And then I think, yeah. Hopefully we have someone who can kick it. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, Colt made his he made his field goals, so I mean he just managed he to miss extra goal. points. He can't hit an extra yeah. <laughs> Son of a gun. So yeah, yeah, then we would we would have only lost by six. I would have made us feel so much better. All right, so forty nine <laughs> seventeen for you and forty eight thirteen. Thirteen for you. Okay. We forgot to write it down again, but um, fun facts. <laughs> I hadn't even thought of a fun fact other than the fact that uh, I have none. I have nothing. All right, nothing. I'll give you. I'll give you a few seconds to think about it. My fun fact is that um, that I went on a. I went on a uh, on a on a. I went to a car meet. I went to a car meet right after the game, which was incredibly painful to do so because my, my car is all huskered out. And the fun fact of that car meet was I found some uh, some window crayon or whatever. It's like washable. It's not window paint. I couldn't find window paint. But I found window crayon, and um, I did write on the back of my Miata, honk if you are in existential pain. And I got quite a few uh, honks from people cruising <laughs> up and down O Street. And um, that was, it, it was at least some semblance of, of, of camaraderie amongst my, uh, my fellow Husker Nation. So that was just a little fun fact about me. It was, it was a good, it was a good uh, end to my day. Have a little bit of car meat and my dog puked all over my wife's lap. Um <laughs> He didn't seem to enjoy the car meet as much as I did. So, um, yeah, I can hear I can hear little Chip losing his He's mind. He's not happy with me at the moment. Nope, it's time to wrap this thing up. I really don't have a fun fact. There's not much fun about me this week other than the, uh, well. Oh, you we got had, your truck. Uh, you got your truck. Got my truck. Got moved into the truck. The truck's uh, all ready for me to... Pick her up on Monday morning because the old truck's been cleaned and it's as shiny as an 18-year-old truck is going to get. So, And uh, yeah, black shirt will uh, be in my possession starting on Monday. So that'll Sick. be fun. And uh, yeah, it's a sweet little truck. And it, go figure, the darn thing's so much bigger, but it has way less storage. So I've had to really scale back and 
um, come up with the stuff that I know I hadn't used in like six months. So why carry it with me? Right. So, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Husker fans, thanks so much for staying tuned with us. Thanks for listening today. We really appreciate you. Uh, don't mind chip in the background. He's not real happy with me. And, uh, <laughs> for Scott, my name is Ken and together we're the generation red podcast reminding you that Iowa's corn still sucks. And there's no place like Nebraska. Go Big Red. (laughs) There's some existential angst out there right now. (laughs) Talk to you all next week. You can subscribe to our show on all the major platforms, such as Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and many others. To help other fans find the show, please use your preferred podcast app, to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review. Our website is genredpod.com, where you can listen to the show in your browser or use the provided links to subscribe. You can also follow us at genredpod on both Facebook and Twitter and by searching for the Generation Red Podcast on YouTube. For all other questions, comments, or suggestions, please send them to genrpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Stay sweet and salty, and go Big Red.